Greetings all and welcome to the Professional Horror Podcast, the one podcast that is always a treat. I am your host, Chris Donovan, and I am joined this time for the special Halloween edition by my two good buddies, Ryan Joseph Spooner and Justin Edward Bowcage. How y'all doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm ready to talk Halloween. With an introduction like that where you use my middle name, I can't yeah. tell if you're my parents being frustrated <laughs> with me or if I should feel honored for that classy introduction, yeah. but I thank you nonetheless. Oh, we got this. Just as a warning to you guys, we're recording this on October 30th. Hopefully I'm having it out by Halloween, but if I have it out by the 1st, it'll be a fun little nod to my first episode, which was Halloween the original, which came out on November 1st. Is that a trick or a treat? You decide. Exactly. Ah. I tr- I will try, but no promises are given. Well, it's on time for Day of de los Muertos. Exactly. See, so, we're always you know staying on theme here. And speaking of well, the first episode, this is the second year anniversary of this podcast, and we're going back to where this podcast started with the Halloween franchise. This time, there's a brand new Halloween movie out. I'm sure you guys have, may have heard of it at one yeah, point. Wait, we're not. Wait, we're not talking <laughs> about the 1978 one. Uh, my no. notes. My notes are gonna be so. No, we're talking about. <laughs> We're talking about the, the Rob Zombie one, right? No, we're talking about the third film to have the name Halloween. Yeah, I thought we were talking about Halloween, like, the, the holiday. No, no. I'm in the wrong spot. No, we're talking about Halloween Town. The Disney oh, Town. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. God. No, of course, we're talking about the 2018, not remake, not reboot, sequel that ignores every other sequel, Halloween 2018. Eat it, Rob Zombie. Yeah, take that. And take that, everyone who worked on Halloween 2 through Resurrection. Six. Yeah. Screw all you. <laughs> it would be funny if, like, after this movie, they re-release the complete collection Blu-ray of Halloween, and it's just Halloween and this one. And they're like, complete collection, we swear to God, guys. It's just a middle DVD, and it's just like, <laughs> that, we lost them. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would be bad news for people like me, who own every Halloween movie. Oh, man. Oh, I've got the ones that are important to me. One, two, and H2O, and the rest Shutter's got my back for, so... <laughs> But we're talking about the 2018 film directed by David Gordon Green and written by Gordon Green, Danny McBride, and Jeff Fraidley. Hope I'm pronouncing that name right. And it's the, it features the return of Jamie Lee Curtis to the lead role. So the 2018 Halloween film is currently rocking a 7.3 out of 10 rating on IMDb, 79% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, and 67% approval on Metacritic. The Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus is... Halloween largely wipes the slate clean after decades of disappointing sequels, ignoring increasingly elaborate mythology in favor of basic yet still effective ingredients. And just so you guys know, we are going to be talking full spoilers for this movie. In case you're one of the seven people who have not seen it yet, <laughs> then if you can hear that police siren, I mean, maybe they're off to get Michael themselves. <laughs> um, They'll never get Yeah, we're going to full spoilers. So if, if you haven't seen it, come back after you've seen it because we're going to go in-depth to talk about this movie. I saw the original one when I was really young. Liked it and thought it was one of the staple scary movies. And it's one of those around this time of year. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch all of them, you know, over a weekend or like over a week. And you get like past two or three and you're just like. <sighs> well, for me, for my money, because this is something I think it's important to talk about before we get into this, because it plays such a weird thing with the time of the franchise. Mm-hmm. For my money, Halloween 1 obviously is one of the top movies of all time for yeah. me. Stone Cold Classic. I really love Halloween 2. And Halloween H2O. Halloween 3, which is, you know, not even having anything to do with Michael Myers. It's completely a separate thing. Wasn't a big fan of it. Apparently, if you watch it not knowing it's Michael Myers or not expecting it, it's not bad. But I can't buy it. I haven't re-seen it since I was like 12 years old. And then 4, 5, and 6 with Daniel Harris's character. All very meh, I think. Jamie Lloyd, her character, very meh. H2O, though, I think is really good. I really enjoy that. I do remember H2O, too. And then Resurrection is just a piece of crap. It's awful. Let's see how many B actors we can find. Yeah. Throw them in a haunted house. And that was, you know, the one where Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I'll come back if you kill me off in the first five minutes, please. Thank you. And then the remakes, the Rob Zombie remakes, not really a fan. I haven't seen Halloween 2 to this day because I just, when it came out, I was just so, like, meh on the first Rob Zombie movie that I was like, no thanks. I have seen all the movies. I don't remember a lot of the Rob Zombie ones. There's only a few points. I know I talked a little bit about it before, but the third one, if you if you go in with an open mind and you can for, forgive yourself for clinging to Michael Myers, it actually <laughs> isn't that bad. I'm sure you know this, but John Carpenter's original plan for the franchise mm-hmm. after the first two was to do a different story for Halloween every oh. year. But the outcry was so 
big in 19, yep. what was it, 82, 81? Roughly, yeah. Around that time. Probably, yeah. That they demanded Michael Myers, and what, wouldn't you know it, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Yep. Halloween yeah. 5, The Curse of Michael yeah, Myers. With all the cult yeah. stuff, and then it was just, ugh. Oh, that one was kind of a mess. I, yeah. had a, I have a really hard time following that movie. Yeah. So I just listened to one of my favorite podcasts, Boys and Ghouls. They recently did an episode where they talked about Halloween 3, and Kat made a very interesting point. He said it probably would not have been as bad if it was called Halloween like colon return of I mean season of the witch whatever if you didn't put that three tag on it without people being like oh Halloween three I, I saw the first two I know what to expect this one then you walk in and it's a totally different movie you're just like what where's Michael so if you walked in and saw Halloween three like before you even heard of the other the first two Halloween movies you'd probably be like you'd an be, okay you'd, you'd probably be, you'd have be no fine. you would have been fine but yeah. Yeah, Chris is absolutely right if you would but. just put Halloween colon like just put the tag Don't, on because yeah. when you put the three there you're associated with the other two yeah, movies yeah. it's nothing like yeah. But yeah, it's I feel it's weird both Halloween and Friday the 13th they were like we're just going to use the name and then we want to make spin-offs but then everyone's like no we like this one make it this one so enough about the franchise as a whole because we're, talk- we're not talking about the franchise as a whole we're talking about this specific movie we're talking about the 2018 version which wipes away everything besides the original 78 film this is a continuation 40 years later where Jamie Lee Curtis is Laurie Strode. is going through a bunch of trauma. She's still haunted by the days of Michael Myers. And of course, this is the night where he will once again come home. So, initial thoughts, guys. What do you think of this one? I have mixed feelings on it. I, I really do. I, I, I liked a lot of the eggs that were in the movie from the previous movies. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that thoroughly. I think with John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis producing it, it was fair to expect a lot of those. I did appreciate that. There are a few issues that I have with it. I'm sure we'll get into that as we go along. But overall, I think the ratings you read off, one was, what, 67? You know, mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes was 79. Yeah. I think those are accurate. For, for me, and maybe it's because I've watched all of them, so I'm a little snobbier with Halloween <laughs> than I am with really anything else. It's the one franchise I like for the simplicity. Mm-hmm. I think it was good they got back to that. We don't have a long, convoluted story. We have Michael Myers walking, chasing people. It's very chasing simple. Clothes. Yeah. yeah. The simplicity is, yeah. I think, what makes it a beautiful movie. See, mm-hmm. because I haven't seen Halloween 4 and 2, you know, and, and all the remakes that, and even the Rob Zombie one I haven't seen, but since I'm just a basic fan, I know the, pretty much the basics, mm-hmm. I went in, not a lot of high expectation, and I thought it was very good. I thought it was a very good movie. One of my favorite parts about it, when you watch a scary movie, you have like the baseline of characters that... You know, you develop over time and you get to know. And it seems like the whole movie is just the, the killer, which Mike, is Michael Myers, obviously, but is chasing these guys and knocking them off one by one. And it's a little extended. Mm-hmm. But this, it's like journalists, boom, first 15 minutes, gone. You had other guys like the, uh, um, like the friend, gone. The boyfriend, gone. Mm-hmm. And like you said, when he's rocking through like the residential neighborhood and he's just knocking off random people. When the kids are trick-or-treating, I'm like, all right, this movie goes right into it. There was no waiting period for the action, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it, it kept you enticed, like, the entire time. I did like the characters. I did like the, the one egg you were mentioning. When they're walking to school, mm-hmm. the, the buddy Dave was like, was it? Didn't they find out that, you know, Michael was your grandmother's brother? And they just kind of, like, mm-hmm. ditched it. Oh, that's a crazy theory, you know? Oh, we're going to read And I'm sure one. we're going to bring that up. But I thought it was very nicely done. But I do agree with Spooner in terms of, I thought like 79, 80, I thought that was an appropriate rating for this. So my initial thoughts were, I really liked it. I agree that one of the things that was so much better than this and a lot of the sequels was how simple it was. I will say there are a few things I think that could have simplified even more. There's so many ideas thrown into this movie, and I love a lot of them. It's just that... When there's so many of them together, not all of them work or not all of them get the time that they need. If you had said, okay, we're going to save a couple of these ideas for a sequel, which this month movie has made all the money. It's probably getting a sequel. Save some of those ideas for the sequel. And I feel like you would have had a more concise, really solid first one. And you still have a lot of stuff to fall back on for the sequel. As it is, though, I still really enjoyed it. I still think for me, for my money, it's probably the second best in the franchise, which Absolutely. partially hurts me to say because I love 2 and H2O so much, but I really enjoyed a lot of what happened in this movie. And for me, for my money, I think this is right behind the first one. The original. Well, not right behind. It's still... The first one is so, so yeah. good. Yeah. But it's, it's still second on my Halloween power rankings, if you will. 
What I find interesting, Chris, about you bringing up the so many ideas of a movie, you would think because of how sour the franchise went with so many different people pitching different ideas throughout the franchise, you'd think that John Carpenter being part of this again would have said, okay, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, I feel like we've had this problem before. Yeah. You know, yeah. you had so many writers and producers in the franchise mm-hmm. and it just got so crazy to follow. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's an interesting point that you brought that up. I didn't even think of that when I saw the movie, but you're right. It's- this is an idea, this is a theory I've been banding about, and it's not necessarily... I have no evidence to back this up. This is just strictly throwing ideas out there that make sense to me in my head. Initially, they said they were going to make two Halloween movies back-to-back. And then they said, well, hang on, reel it in. Let's get one right first before we think about a sequel. Part of me thinks that they might have said, well, if we don't get a sequel, let's take some of those ideas from our sequel we have and put them in this one. And you get one movie with both script ideas together and and like a Frankenstein of a script, which usually is like a death knell for a movie. If you do that, you're done. But I feel like this one pulls off enough of it to make it a really good movie. But because there's so many ideas, if I'm not right, then I think it still could have been made to be like that you could have taken this movie and sort of branched off two different elements of it and had two much more simple streamlined horror movies and they both would have been probably better for it Mm -hmm. but this one's not bad because of it yeah it doesn't for me it doesn't hurt it enough to be like damn you movie for messing up (laughs) one of the things that got me there wasn't a lot of parts that i criticized or thought were foolish but when michael was in the house running around and she shot up into the floor and I'm like what is she doing <laughs> I'm like obviously he's gonna know that you're down there mm-hmm. and then he, she turns to her daughter and was like I mm-hmm. have to finish this and then goes up and when I first saw that I'm like what are you doing <laughs> now yeah she pretty much dispelled that she's shown throughout the movie she has no fear yeah I'm, I'm ready for it yeah yeah and what I like is on a second rewatch I think that line makes a lot more sense that actually makes a lot more sense yeah too. yeah the why first she's time. Why she's kind of like, hey, we're down here. I'm shooting at you down here. Well, it's like it's a unique concept to a horror movie where the person who has been petrified and paranoid of this killer for so many years, instead of the killer finding her, she's finding him. It's going back to the scene where she's driving through the neighborhood and he's knocking people off left and right. And she's at the scene of the crime of each murder. So you think of that and it's like it's almost like a different twist on it that... Mm-hmm. The hunted is becoming the hunter. And you know? what I think is really cool, what's interesting about this Michael Myers as opposed to other Michael Myers, I feel like this Michael Myers, if Laurie Strode had stayed in her house and just locked the doors, I don't think Michael comes anywhere near her house. Whereas no. in every other movie, he would have been like, Gur, my sister, I am off to chase her. Whereas in this one, he's just like a tornado almost. Like he just has one sight line. He's following it, killing whoever's in his path. He probably never would have gotten to Laurie's house. I think we had a little bit of help from another character in the movie getting yeah, that's to true. that point. Yeah. I have a quote. Speaking of Laurie, here's one thing I, I was a little disappointed with. And maybe, again, it, this could very easily just be me. Because this is one of the few franchises I've watched. So I, I went in with high expectations. Mm-hmm. We still don't know why Laurie destroyed. I still find this to be significant. Because if you're going to tell us right off the bat with the first trailer that was with that scene of the three mm-hmm. of them walking and you dispel the brother theory which had become really that linchpin statement belief, that Loomis yeah. kind of snuck in the second movie so nonchalantly mm-hmm. by the way if you're going to dispel that is it as simple as her approaching the house in the first movie and dropping the key I think it is if anybody because like if her father had done it instead of asking her to do it mm-hmm. would we be talking about the father like is that really as simple as that is I think it is. I think it's because of how Michael Myers operates, but especially in this movie too, like I said, where he's like a tornado. In the original, it goes up to the house and puts the key there. She puts herself in the line of the tornado. And he's like, her. Taking her now. Like I said, in this one, I feel like he just is seeing the people in front of him and goes, these people. Alright, there. She's over there. I'm going to go after her. Then there. Then boom, 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 boom. And it isn't until Lori is literally placed back in there where he's like, you. I'm getting you now. It's a very different Michael Myers than the rest of the franchise. Like you said, with the sister analogy, or in 4, 5, and 6, where it's Jamie Lloyd and it's the niece, mm-hmm. where it's more of a, I must kill the people in my family to power up my cult powers, or whatever the... Jesus Christ, part 5 and 6. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, let's get it. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's that, was his fir- that was one of his first... That's one of his first movies. Big roles. Oh, so it's a, it's a comedy? 
No. I'm kidding. You want to know how bad part six is? Granted, there's the producer's cut, which I have not seen, and apparently is better. The sixth one is so bad, Danielle Harris refused to be in it because the script was so bad. Danielle Harris was 12 years old at the time. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shout out to Danielle Harris. She's, oh man, she's great. She's been in horror movies since she was like eight years old. What a trooper. So that was my first thing. I'm mm-hmm. a little, because I, I get it, Don, and it can be that simple. I, I understand it, but... To me, I just wanted something. There's got to be something. Because especially for them to dispel it that quickly. I felt like that movie was going to bring something to light mm-hmm. when they had the initial the, the the documentary. Yeah. The documentarians. The, documentarians. the investigative journalists. Oh, when, yeah. Because yeah. when they had the case file, I was thinking it's going to be one of those after so many years, new eyes on the case. You know, mm-hmm. you hear about it all the time. They, yeah. the they find a missing Do they find something? Some, exactly. Yeah. That was where I thought it was going to go when you dispelled that so quickly. I will say, going off of that, there's a lot of talk, more so than in a lot of the other movies, about why Michael does what he does in this movie. And I will say it is kind of disappointing to have an answer of because he's evil. But at the same time, if they had given him another reason, the, the whole franchise has given different reasons, mm-hmm. and none of them have been good. They've yeah. all been, well, I want to kill my family. Well, a cult made me do it. Well, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, none of those have been good. So I'm fine with him being pure evil. I see you. I kill you. But at the same time, if you're not going to give an answer, and you're just going to say, he's evil, he's the boogeyman, he's the shape, then don't spend so much time talking about it and raising the questions in the first place. Say something! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say something! Which, that was a that was a cool, intense scene, but the way that it just was like, and we're next scene. I mean, uh, title sequence. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, why are we spending so much time talking about stuff? I thought, if we're not going to answer that. I thought that was a really cool opening scene yeah. when he was like shouting at him and then the other patients around him are like screaming and yeah. I thought it just brought like a great like understanding to what Michael Myers and like that whole and the mask and just everything. Yeah. It just put it was it was very powerful to open it. Well, on that note, let's start going through the film sequences so we can get some questions up in there. Because in that opening scene, like we said, the two investigative journalists, aka podcasters, which as a podcaster myself, they're interviewing and they want to get a set up an interview with Michael Myers and they're interviewing him 40 years after the date, not releasing it 40 years after. Come on. Time sensitive content <laughs> podcasters. Well, what are you doing? They should have been interviewing him back in like February, March. Yeah. Talking to Lori. So that way they'd have it all edited all together so they could release it or at least have the debut episode of their research podcast episode on the day it happened 40 years after. That's how podcasts work, folks. That's why I'm going to stay up for the next seven hours to edit this podcast to have it out by Halloween. <laughs> Time-sensitive content. Time-sensitive. And that's why they deserve to die. Yeah. That's it. Awful yeah. p- podcast time management. The interview, even with Laurie Strode, that was cool. Like, I thought it was a... Unique thing, but I'm just wondering where they got three thousand dollars. And that's <laughs> a podcast. I don't understand that. That but. podcast is going to be awful. By the way, they got nothing. Nothing. That was <laughs> absolutely of, nothing. That, that was another thing I was going to touch on. I just feel like a lot of things in this movie left me wanting more. Mm-hmm. You had so many opportunities in this movie to give us something more. I mean, maybe you couldn't because you wanted people who maybe didn't necessarily see the movies to come in and see this. I get that. But when you're interviewing Roy Strode, the only thing you get is, you don't believe in the believer? Yeah. Well, not only that. Also, I'm not a journalist. However, talking to Lori about the state taking her kids away would not be one of my first five questions. No. That's no. irrelevant. Like, no. Like, like, I get it's I get cause. That. Yeah. It's an effect of what happened. Yeah. But I get not asking softball questions, but still, yeah. Right. You want to first... You want to first get a situation. Into it. Yeah, yeah, you want to get a rapport with them so that right. you feel Build a, a relationship. connection. Yeah. yeah. So that they feel comfortable enough to dive into deeper issues. Yeah. Whereas they're just like, so the state took your kid away. When did you get her back? Never. Oh, yeah. interesting. Let me just right. write Especially that when down. she tells them, and you probably already knew that. Yeah. And no, no like, but no etiquette, like, oh, hey, nice to meet you, or anything like that and they said like we've been following your story for a very long time but I feel like they didn't even attempt to establish any kind of interpersonal and, relationship and they have it's kind of important 
And they have exposition in that scene that is useful for us to know that since Michael Myers, Laurie's had the two failed marriages, state taking her kid away. She's been a basket face. That's important for us as the audience to know. Yeah. However, I don't see how that's relevant to their podcast. And did we need that when you look at how she lives and how the house is so secluded? I understand the question for the audience, but here's the catch up. Because she could just be a survivalist without all the, the baggage. And, but, you still end, but you still ended up seeing it later in the movie mm. with the restaurant scene. PTSD. It's right there. Yeah. We don't need any of that because you're going to show that to us. So it's you don't have to give us all of it in that scene. You're going to draw the picture if you're somebody new as we go along. Right, right. What I noticed is that that first interaction when she's like, oh, you don't believe in the boogeyman or there's nothing to learn here. You realize like, yes, this person is obviously affected by the events from the past and like is still a basket case, you know, and it's crazy. But then you see her interact on a more normal level with her granddaughter, with her her daughter. And it's like, okay, so was she just attempting to scare the podcasters off? Just set the vibe that, oh, I'm too crazy to talk to? That could have been it. Well, later on in the movie, you find out that she can actually have a conversation on a normal level. I think she just matched their coldness with even more cold. Oh, yeah. you want to talk, talk about me not losing my kid? Yeah. Get out. The kid's yeah. my money. I wouldn't have told them anything either. Well, especially because their their position wasn't... I mean, they were basically saying, we think, you know, there's something deeper in Michael. They were very adamant in that interview where they're saying, I think there's something about him that we can learn about psychology and about mm -hmm. mental illness and things like that, where she's like, no, he's evil. That's all there is to it. And they're like, but is he really evil? And they're like, he killed five of my friends. Screw you. Yeah. And I like that. But like I said, the podcasters, how'd you get any of this information? He got the mask from the DA. He was able to get an in with the psychiatrist. And yet he has no interpersonal skills with no, Lori Strode. Absolutely not. The only reason she even opens the door is because they give her three grand, which I also thought was funny where he was like, journalists don't pay for interviews, which I think they do. I could be wrong. Depending who the party is. Yeah. I would think that, yeah. And the next scene, which I think is weird too, but I also enjoy, because this is where we transition from Lori's story to Allison's story, which is where I think the two scripts idea comes from for me, where it feels like one script is all Lori Strode and her daughter, and the other one is all Allison. And like I said, I like both of them. I like both those characters, and I like both their stories, but they feel too disjointed at parts. Because we start with Allison, and she's, you know, talking to her parents. She's like, oh, you know, National Honor Society, going to see my boyfriend, yada, yada, yada. And that's where we get that scene where they say, oh, it wasn't her brother. That's, you know, nothing. And we have that reference to the original scene with the discussion of fate. Mm -hmm. Laura looks out the window, and it's Michael. But in this one, it's Allison looks out, and it's Lori. There's a lot of great mirroring where Lori does stuff that Michael did in the first movie, which I love. What I also really like is there's Lori's so cold, like to her daughter at times, but their relationship with the Alice and her granddaughter is so different, and I really liked that relationship. I feel like that got so much more time than her and Karen Strode, her daughter, Judy mm -hmm. Greer's character. But speaking of interpersonal skills, Lori gives Allison three grand to do whatever she wants. And the first thing after Allison says is, hey, you should probably get the hell over Michael Myers. Yeah. I was that like, was she, just you, too. she just gave you three grand, well, Allison. Well, that was, that you was be smart. nice to her for a night. Well, that was yeah. smart. She took the money first before she had <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you be nice to her for at least a full day. She just gave you three grand. Well, I thought it was interesting when uh, Allison was having a, a conversation with her mother, like... It, talking about the dinner and meeting the boyfriend. She had said, oh, did you call? Did you mm -hmm. call grandma? And she was like, oh, yeah, but she can't make it. And it almost builds upon, okay, they have that different relationship because when she's walking with her friend later, she says, oh, I knew she was lying because I called her. You got the feel that Allison sympathizes for her grandmother and yeah. you start to see that relationship building. And like I said, I do like their connection where it's like a Lori had kind of messed up with Karen and made her too overprotective, which literally pushed her away physically and mm -hmm. metaphorically. Whereas Allison, she's not ramming her saying, you need to be prepared. You need to just get some gun training. She's like, just go away. Here's three grand. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. Yeah. Go to Mexico. So I understand the dinner, right? With the boyfriend and then the grandmother comes in and has that little PTSD moment. After that, though, they're outside. Lori runs off and Allison goes outside and hugs her and consoles her. But after that, like, there's a little cutaway where Karen is explaining to, to Allison... Like, oh, this was my childhood. This was what I went through. And it was nothing but guns and fighting and this and that. Didn't she already kind of know that? Or 
Like, why was she going over that again? Well, I think it's because maybe it's not the first scene we've ever, Allison's ever seen of Laurie like this. Mm-hmm. But it is an extreme example of Allison seeing Laurie being a complete ah, crazy person. Yeah. And I think for Judy Greer, it was a moment of this is why yeah. I keep the distance. This is why yeah. I like you. It, it's an I told you so moment. It's gratification it, for her parenting. Yeah, because yeah. I, I figured that going into it, she would at least know. Like, based off the conversation with her friends on the walk to school, mm-hmm. I figured that she already knew about I feel like she why knew. her grandmother is the way she is and why her mom... I feel like she you know, knows this was... About it. This was an extreme example, especially because in the scene prior, Lori is outside the asylum, asylum with a revolver. With, yeah. And she sees Michael being transported to the other facility and she's just yeah. like... She downs like some alcohol and she's just absolutely freaking out because she's literally seeing Michael Myers for the first time probably since 78 or so, whatever... Well, I'm assuming there was some kind of trial or something, perhaps, for his murders. Maybe saw her. Maybe saw her there. But this is the first time since then that she's seen him, and it just does her in. So we see later in the movie that the bus that was transporting Michael has fallen off the road. It's crashed. All the lunatics are escaping. We see, like, a kid and his father driving to go hunting, and the kid's like, I want to go to dance class. Which, what dance class is at, like, four in the morning, kid? Yeah, that's weird. Reschedule your dance class, man. But what's interesting is, it's explained later who wrecks the bus, but initially, according to rumors of the initial screening, it was going to be Lori who sabotaged the bus, as to be like, I need to have him killed, and I can't kill him on this bus or in the sanitarium, so I'm going to crash the bus myself, so I can kill this bitch once and for all. That would have been very cool. I can see why they changed it, because it does make her unlikable to be like, who cares if 100 lunatics go free and kill people? I need to kill him for closure. I get that. However, it would be kind of cool. Part of me wishes that they had kept that. Now, now I missed the part. What They revealed it later, but what actually crashed the bus? <laughs> I was too busy chewing on popcorn. Doctor. The doctor who crashed doctor. it? Yeah, that's what Allegedly. I thought. Yeah. That ties into the whole he wanted the reunion. Yeah, that whole doctor thing. I If that doctor thing was in the Allison movie on crafting, 100% about it. This movie, not about it. It just seemed like it was very... I, I understand, yeah. I guess, the point. I tried defending it when I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. I tried rationalizing it for myself. I always wondered why Dr. Loomis was so obsessed with He was always there. And I wondered if that scene, because unfortunately Donald Pleasance is no longer with us, mm-hmm. I wondered if that doctor was fulfilling a lifelong prophecy because he does leave him in the second movie in the hospital. Mm-hmm. He does shoot him in the first movie. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, that was how I tried to rationalize it. Yeah, I understand, and it's a cool way to differentiate the Doctor from Loomis's character, so iconic to the franchise. If this movie had been Allison's story, and the Doctor is constantly around, and he had the, the heel turn towards the end, I would be a lot more okay with it, because it's a mirror to the first one while still being fresh and original. However, with so many ideas, this one takes up about seven minutes, roughly, of screen time, and it's just... It's just so weird. Watching it the second time, I did kind of pick up more. How he talks about Michael throughout the whole movie does hinge on a bit weirder when you know his true intentions. Because he is just kind of like crazy, but not crazy like Loomis is crazy. Crazy like so desperate to get inside Michael's head mm. and know what he's feeling. That I felt like the second time it did make a little bit more sense why he did what he did. But overall, it's just well strange. Th- throughout the movie, I will say this too. When I first saw the Doctor and kind of listened to what he was saying, the way he was talking about Michael, you got the sense that not that he was on his side, but that he was treating it like a patient-doctor relationship. That he wanted what was best for him. Gave off the vibe of, there's gotta be something that can help him. But at the same time, there were moments where he would hint like, this man is pure. You know, there's no saying, I've been working with him, I know him so well. I just can't get him to talk. It seems like if he got him to talk, then he would completely understand Michael Myers. And that would be the the full circle, you know, kind of everything that he had ever studied about this man coming all together. And the fact that he got on the bus too. I've been working with him for 40 years. I need to be here. You know, or whatever he had said mm-hmm. to the bus driver. Now that I think of that scene, it's like, are you being a good doctor or is there something that we're not just catching yeah, on to? It's, and it's, yeah, it's obsessive, but not like Loomis was obsessive, which yeah. is a fun way to be similar but different. This scene where he's like, he's my patient till he's in the care of another doctor. As much as I was ragging on the podcast about how the, could they have possibly pulled all this off, I totally get why this doctor would let someone, anyone who has anything that could make 
make Michael Myers react, give them a chance to do it. All they had to do probably was say, hey, bring out Michael's mask. And he's like, please show it to him. Put it on his head for all I care. <laughs> yeah. Give me something out of him. Throughout the movie, I'm not going to say that the eventual, or him helping Michael, well, it wasn't like a, oh, well, I knew this all along, but I just knew there was something, like, with this man. There was something that he was too invested in this. It was almost like... I've given so much time and so much effort toward this one person and he just didn't want to just see him get killed or, you know, go back to where he was. He wanted to find the real answers about Michael Mine. Which has a quick note about the doctor too. In that bus scene where we see the, the hunter and his kid, mm-hmm. they both are absolute idiots where the kid Oh, the, yeah. The dad Stay gets in the truck. Don't open it for anyone but me. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets out. And he's like, you guys are all right? I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, you're dead. Man. The messed up thing, too, is like, you, you watch it, and throughout the whole movie, I thought, oh, this isn't the stereotypical horror movie where, like, pretty girl runs and, oh, like, the, he's coming to get me. Falls, like, can't, or gets in the corner of the room and just, like, screams. It wasn't like that. But those two people were exactly that. Yep. I'm like sitting there watching. I'm like, don't get out of the truck. But what was weird, <laughs> the weirdest don't part to out. me about the bus scene to me is the fact that when the kid goes in there and the doctor leaps up and is like, don't you? And the kid shoots because he's you know a little kid and he's freaked out. He shoots that doctor in the heart. Yeah, he shoots him right. right how does that doctor? How is that doctor? Yeah, and that resulted in, in him being a sling. Yeah, I could see. Yo, him. that's a 30-30 rifle too. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a kick, man. That's a kick. If I he mean, had, if he had hit him like. Right. Up in the shoulder, I could see why he's in the sling. I can see how. Right, he's is alive. that what we were supposed to believe? And if I because he was in a sling, right? Yeah. I'm not and if he was hit in the ribs or like in the stomach, I could see why he's alive. But he hits him right there in the heart or in a lung. I thought it was interesting that you get there, and it's a cool scene. Like when they pull up, and the rest of the mental patients are like walking around because you get there, and like the cops are, are killed. Eventually, the boy gets. I don't. Does he get killed or knocked out? He gets, I, he gets very murdered. He goes back in the car. Yeah. And it, similar to the first Halloween with Annie's character, Michael's in the back seat. Yeah, because he hits him. Just grabs her and just yeah. hits him off the thing. But you hear a snap sound. Oh, at the, toward the end? Yeah. yeah. See, I thought he just like knocked him unconscious. Yeah. But the dad is obviously killed. The cop that shows up. Yeah, um, we never. I don't think we see. Is he the one with his neck all like... Outside, the, 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 outside bus. the bus. Yeah, that was him. Um, I thought it was interesting that Michael didn't kill any of the patients. I mean, that also is a callback, I guess, to the original. In the original, when Loomis is driving up and they're like, all right, we're going to go sedate Michael so we can get transferred. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of inmates just on the lawn. And oh, just really, yeah. like They let them just walk around and Loomis is like, no, they don't. And he just like takes out his gun and stuff. Um, and Michael doesn't kill any of them either. He just tries to get to the car first. But it is strange. But yeah, I feel like because later we're led to believe that it was the doctor who caused the bus crash. I wonder if Michael was even like activated like in his head until he's already freed. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't until he's like handcuffed off where he's like, oh shit. Following this, he goes, the podcasters, we're back with them. They go to like a gas station or whatever. We find Michael Myers' true superpower. It's not being able to take bullet shots and live. It's not being able to fall on the tall buildings and live. It's the innate ability to, in every movie, find someone with the exact same size black one-piece jumpsuit and boots to kill and steal his attire. Yeah. <laughs> innate ability to do that. <laughs> one complaint that I heard going online, and I disagree with, is how many of the deaths are off screen because the the father with the neck killed is off screen. There's a bunch of people, and then even the person who steals the jumpsuit off, we only see the female podcaster being like, "Oh, where's the Lou?" And in the background, you see you know Michael raining down punches on this guy. And I kind of like that stuff. I kind of like how little of the death scenes are shown because there's enough death scenes shown where it's like brutal and crazy, and enough where you see it and you just go, "What did Michael do to that guy?" Yeah. Holy hell. Maybe it was their idea to kind of scare or put fear in you mm-hmm. without actually showing what is being done to these people. You know, I, I almost think that's scarier. I really like a lot of those scenes where it's like, what do you do to these poor people? But you get that in the first movie also when Michael gets his original jumpsuit mm-hmm. because there's somebody on the side of the road Loomis finds on yeah. his way mm-hmm. um, with a truck. Not all the ones in the franchise have been on yeah. In a scene very similar to H2O, Michael is in the bathroom. It's like that's They said they made callbacks to every Halloween movie. This is the big H2O callback, I think, where Michael sees the female podcast going to the bathroom and he's like, she knows where my mask is. I'm going to go get her. Shake it down every stall door. Just similar to an H2O where his car broke down at the rest stop. And he's like, I need a new car. I'll take her car. <laughs> Which that scene's really thrilling too because it's shot. Like all the scenes with Michael before he gets the mask. 
are shot so you can just see an edge of his face. Yeah, I know. Or you can that. see his his messed up eye, but you can't see anything else. And that scene is shot so strangely where it's just like you can see blurs of Michael doing actions, but you can't see enough of him to be like, I know what Michael Myers looks like now. Even though we did see his face in part one. Everyone's always like, can't show his face. We already saw his face. I thought that was just cool how she goes to the bathroom and he comes in and like throws the teeth on the ground. That like showing what he did to the Yeah, because that was one of those brutal off-screen deaths where he's like trying to where the other guy's trying to pay for the gas. Yeah. And you see the one guy with his jaw like horrifically bent forward like backward and all his teeth are missing. I was like, oh, that was yeah. gnarly that what was just happened to him. Cool. and then yeah. he kills both podcasters and takes his mask and he's finally he's full blown Michael Myers attire real one stop shop for him <laughs> got his boots jumpsuit and his mask all in one location that's <laughs> convenience you can't ask for. I'm going to order that at Sunoco after this. <laughs> for real. <laughs> see, see what I can get. One scene that I think is so funny is after Lori has discovered that Michael has escaped, she goes to her daughter's house and Karen Strug, played by Judy Greer, plays the perfect fool in a horror movie without even realizing it. She's just like asking around, like, oh, is my family here? You know, is my daughter, Allison, are you here? She's walking around every corner before Lori jumps out. And it's like, you oh, yeah. would be dead if this was Michael. But then before that, you get her husband, because you're expecting something. The door's a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she calls for both of them. And I, I was sitting there going, oh, it's Lori. It's yeah. going to be Lori. Yeah. It's going to be, oh, it's the husband. Oh, just kidding. Here comes Lori. Yeah. Bang, if this was Michael, you'd be dead. I, I thought it would be better if she came out of the closet, just because when she came around the, the stairs made a gun noise, Michael's not shooting anybody. But if she That's just like true. popped out of the closet and was like, if I were Michael Myers, you would be dead right now. <laughs> With a Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. That that whole scene though is funny. It's weird to me because like I love Karen and Lori's relationship, but I do feel it's a tad underbaked. Because even in that scene, where after she's like the bus crashed, we're in danger. Karen's like, yeah, 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 mom, leave now, goodbye, and that's the end of the scene. Yeah, that's where I'm saying there's two movies here. There's the Karen and Lori dealing with Michael and trauma and what Lori did to Karen as a child movie, and then there's Allison's movie. Where now after introducing her boyfriend to the parents, and there's the whole Lori scene where she gets really drunk. Then they have the Halloween party the next night. Well, while Michael's on the loose. While Michael's on the loose. We yeah. see that fantastic long shot where Michael is just, the music kicks in and he's just walking down a street and it's one long take. He's just like, hammer? Cool. I'll kill someone with this. Which Boom. is just like uh, Halloween 2. Use the claw hammer in that one. Oh, here's someone else. I'm going to kill them. Look, there's another house. I'm going to go into the back room and stab him with a knife. It's just one long take of him just like going from house to house like he's trick-or-treating. Yeah. But a murder trick-or-treating. I thought it was kind of cool seeing that, like, him just blend in with mm. all of that. And just people, like the kid that bumps into him and is like, oh, sorry, man. And yeah. like, he's Which just... from the first one, yeah. the yeah. kids that bully Tommy. Yeah. Him. They also have the kids who are in the Halloween 3 mask, which those are some nice masks. I'm not going to lie. Mm. The skeleton, the pumpkin, or the Jack Leonard and the witch mask. Mm -hmm. But that scene's really cool. And then that goes into where it's like the Halloween party. Allison and her boyfriend, is it like Cameron or something? Uh, what is it? Yeah, it is Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Allison and Cameron, and they're going as Bonnie and Clyde, but reverse. he's... Yeah, but reverse, where he's going as Bonnie and she's, she's going as Clyde. Clyde. By the way, she is killing it in the pinstripe suit of that movie. To my point earlier where I feel like there's two movies, this Halloween scene feels, this Halloween party scene feels so much less important than what Lori's going through. But it feels like if, if there were a second movie, it was Allison and the Doctor. And while the Doctor is trying to get after Michael and while still being creepy and stuff, and Allison was doing her thing, I feel like that would have been a great Halloween well, movie. I'd be into it. Yeah, I thought it was just weird, like, how she left the party. Like, oh, you got no fight with your boyfriend because he got drunk, hit on the hot girl at the party like in the cat outfit yeah. kissed her and then like they get into a fight he throws her phone in like what pudding or pudding, something and then she leaves his friend goes with her yep and then she, he ends up like making a move on her and it's just yeah it's i don't um, know it's weird it's, it's a weird argument scene but it's funny too because this scene happened like almost Excuse me, the go to the party and see your boyfriend's making out with someone else. Also happened at Goosebumps 2 on Halloween, which came out like a week before this one. But it's also in the 
fourth one, the babysitter who's watching Jamie, her boyfriend ends up with somebody else when she cancels their mm-hmm. date, having to watch the niece. And I also mentioned this to JB on the car ride home. This is a high school dance. What high school is letting that girl in the cheetah outfit or the tiger outfit come to a party in like a skimpy leather top like that? They have a very quick argument and Cameron almost, I will say, his heel turn, if you will, I feel like is a lot quicker and more sudden than the doctor's even. Yeah, and it's just because so he seemed like, like he seemed like, oh, he's a good guy. Don't worry about it. He's a good guy. And then all of a sudden he makes out with someone else. And then he's like, oh, you're mad at me for cheating on you? Well, I just ruined your phone. Yeah. Now your phone's in pudding. Now your phone's in pudding. Nice. Good luck getting the call. It's going to save your life in 20 minutes. Yeah. I feel like he's, his was way more sudden than the doctor's. Oh, yeah. Like, the doctor, it felt like it was teased. It felt like then. it was at least like, well, he's some he's weird at least. Cameron, it just seemed like, oh, well, my glass is empty. I'm an asshole now. Allison's walking home with the friend and... The friend compliments her. Yeah, the friend's like, oh, you're too good for that. You're, you deserve someone better. And she's like, oh, thank you. That's and sweet. By the way, when he, like, makes the move on, right? Yep. And she turns away and he's like, oh, well, you know, I'm really, like, I'm really drunk. I thought you were coming on to me. Yeah. When they're walking, he's not stumbling. No. That's very good <laughs> attention drunk to detail. awareness. This man must get drunk a lot at the age <laughs> of 17. He's going to have a lot of rehab sessions. Correct. No, I thought of that. I'm like, you weren't slurring your words. You weren't no. like... It wasn't like, until he he does something he regrets where he kind of hams up. Uh, don't worry, Allison. I'm too drunk for this. You know, you're yep. like, uh, I see what you did there. I do kind of like how Allison was also like, no, get lost, you, you loser. Because the other guy, I mean, yeah, he was being nice to her, but he's also like crushing on his best friend's girlfriend. He's yeah. definitely not a good guy. Either. No, but I will say going into the scene, going into the last part of the scene where Michael Myers is in the back, I know you and I uh, of the, oh, that scene. Of the, uh, I love the that VR. scene. Yeah, I oh. thought that was really cool. When I first saw it in the theater, and I saw he was they, they did the motion light setup where they're in the yard. Oh, that's cool. Motion light goes off, and he's like, "Whoa, what was that?" And I was like, "Motion lights, dumbass!" And she's she's gone. She's out of here. You see Michael in the background, and the lights go off, and I was just like, "Please have him not set off motion detecting lights. Please have him do." It. And then lights come back on when the guy stands up, and Michael's somewhere else. And I was like, "Oh, this is getting." What I like is they don't you don't know where he is. Yeah, yeah that's I love what's that. awesome. And he's apologizing to the neighbor because of course he's suddenly gone. Yeah. Oh, Mr. J- you know, yeah. Mr. Jenkins, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I was so into that Pete scene. Don't give a shit that's not Mr. McGregor coming to get <laughs> Peter Rabbit out of the garden. Yeah, <laughs> I don't give so a shit about those scene. petunias. <laughs> but no, I thought that was so cool. That was def- that was such a cool setup when it comes off and then yeah. he's somewhere else and then that's another one of those yeah, where that was awesome in this world where it's just Halloween one and this one it's like Michael Myers is supposed to be a person but there's definitely something about him that is definitely off pure evil yeah <laughs> pure evil. I will say this. So what we've learned is pure evil does not set off motion detecting lights. That's what no. we've learned. Purely watching it, I can relate to that kid. That would totally be me in a horror movie. Too drunk in a backyard, get denied by a hot girl, and then I'm brutally murdered by a psychopath because I'm too drunk. Good for you. Then yeah. Allison came That's back it. for him. Oh my god, somebody! Oh, you're getting stabbed! Now I'll come yeah. back. That's well, the thing is because he's like <laughs> screaming and crying. And at first, I'm, I'm with Allison in that scene where he's screaming and crying. And she's just like, yeah, 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 boo fucking who. But then she realizes, wait, this sounds like serious screaming. Yeah, and then he's he's made Dude, into I, a uh, shish kebab. If there are two things about this film that I think is 100% on the money nailed, one is Michael Myers himself, how they portrayed him, all of his scenes are money. And the second is the music. Mm. The soundtrack is phenomenal. It is really good. Movie. Very timely. Because in that scene where Andy, not Andy, Andy's a real name, Allison... Allison. Where Allison comes back and she sees Michael Myers for the first time, that music cue was so unsettling. You're just like, oh, oh no. no. Yeah. Getting now, crazy. Now, she had no idea up to that point that anything was going on, right? No. Because the dance was evacuated after right. she left, right? Similar to the first movie where Lori doesn't under- doesn't know it's a horror movie until the last 20 minutes. Allison doesn't know either. And I, I mentioned this to JV. I only noticed it the second time. I realized there's a reason why she's in the Bonnie and Clyde outfit. It's so that she's dressed similar. Similarly to Lori in the first movie. The blue button down and the high-waisted pants. I just saw her walk down. I'm like, she looks like Lori. I get it now. I get it. Symbolism everywhere. Yeah. 
But and she see that music cue though when he's just behind the fence and she sees him. She's just this is like oh no. Hot Allison, meet your not. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it's getting bad now. I thought for some reason like when she went it was knocking on the doors, Allison like going from house to house to let them in. I thought Michael was gonna be in one of the houses, and I was gonna be like, this is just not gonna go well for her. But more symbolism, Lori. The end of the movie, having been injured by Michael Myers. My God, somebody help me! Please. Yeah. Anybody and they had somebody turn on a light. Yeah, and somebody turn off a light. Yeah, yeah but but apparently we have grown as a society since the first one because someone actually does let her in the house, unlike in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. we have grown more helpful in the last forty years, according to this movie. And uh, during this time, Doctor and the Sheriff are like riding around. I barely mention the Sheriff because he's kind of like. I'm always a little skeptical whenever they add a character and they're like, don't you know, he was around during the first movie. He's the one who caught Michael himself. I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. 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 It's... There's one scene, too, with the sheriff and the doctor that if you gave me the power to remove only one line from this entire movie... It would be this line. It would be this line. It would be when Laurie shows up with the doctor and the sheriff and Laurie says, so you're the new Loomis. I would cut that line. That would be my one line. Because I know, as a film goer and as someone who's watched a lot of movies and has written movies and has learned the screenwriting, that having a doctor is supposed to be there is like, oh, it's kind of like the original. It's mirroring. Calling attention to that mirroring really made me mad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we really needed Laurie's confirmation that that was the new doctor. I got he was the new Luke. We knew that like 20 seconds into the movie. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh. She could have just said, oh, you're the new doctor. You're Michael's new doctor. Yeah. And I would have been like absolutely fine with it. After Lori and Karen and her husband go to the go to the cabin, right? Well, to the to yeah, to Lori's, Lori's house. stronghold, if you will. Yeah. So after that, the sheriff and the doctor go to get Lori. I mean, not Lori. So yeah, the go, sheriff and the doctor go to get Alice, and then that's where everything just gets like it gets weird. That's where we've been mentioning the doctor being crazy because we couldn't sit on that plot hole. I mean, that um plot point for that long. What happens is, in the movie, after they pick up Allison, they're driving around, they see Michael on the street, and the sheriff's deputy, um, Hawkins, yeah, Frank yeah. Hawkins. So, so Frank Hawkins, the deputy, he tr- sees Michael, and he's like, I'm gonna run this guy down. That's how we're doing it today. Yeah. So we have a scene where, after Allison has been picked up by the doctor and Hawkins, the deputy, the deputy sees Michael Myers standing on the sidewalk, you know, cashing mind his own business to it. Hawkins is like, I'm gonna run him down, while the doctor is like, no, you can't kill him. And there's also that scene that hints at his heel turn where he says he's property of the state you can't harm him and he's like he's like watch me he hits Michael Myers with his car and knocks him like 10 feet into the into the sky or whatever and then this is where the big moment that is just the most confusing part of it like it's set up but it's still random where the doctor's checking on if he's out of pulse he's like oh my god you've killed him and the deputy's like you better move get away from Michael I'm just gonna blow his brains out and make sure he's dead and then <laughs> The doctor's pen becomes like a pop-out scalpel or something. Yeah. And he turns and stabs it into the deputy's neck. And he's, because he's like, oh, I want to know what Michael knows about, you know, death or whatever. But once he get out of killing, so he stabs him and takes his mask off and puts it on himself for a second, which is just really funny looking. <laughs> yeah. You get to realize how big Michael Myers actually yeah, is. Yeah. And meanwhile, Allison in the back seat just being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> This, yeah. is, this is my life now. And the doctor, with one arm, because one's in a sling, is able to pull Michael Myers all the way to the cop's car and load him, and load him into the back seat. Michael's a big dude in this movie. While still keeping the mask out of his head. Trapped. Yeah. In the car. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't And throws that. Michael in there, throws the mask next to Michael, and is like, we're going to go see Laurie's show, because he's fascinated to see what will happen if the two of them meet up again. And he it brings up a point that I think would have been, it's not followed through on, but it's interesting where he thinks, he says, I think the only thing that keeps each one alive is the need to outlist, outlive the other kind of thing. Where he's like, I think Michael only goes because Laurie's still alive, and I think Laurie only goes because Michael's still alive. That kind of thing. Yeah. And we see a little bit of that, I think, towards the end, which we'll get to. And he's just like, I need, he's driving Allison along, and he's like, oh my god, all these years, he's never talked once. And Allison, being a smart girl that she is, this is one of my favorite things that she like they do in this movie, because I think she's a genius here. She goes, he said a word to me. The doctor's like, what, are you kidding me? He go, and she's like, what if you, did he say? If you let me out right now, I'll tell you. I'm like, you're a smart girl. Hey, she was in National Honor Society. <laughs> yeah, she's going to college, too. That's it. <laughs> she's taking that three grand Lori gave her and put it into college. She's a smart girl. Yep. She gets the doctor to stop the car. But by that point, Michael has come to, put his mask on, and oddly enough, 
doesn't go for Allison sitting right next to him. It goes for the doctor instead, which is objectively a much harder kill, too. Yeah. He has to kick through the uh, separating gate of the police car and get through. I don't even know how he gets through the door because the door is locked on his side, but he's just like, I bust through because it's Michael Myers. That whole scene, like, I just felt like there was so much going on from the time of, like, them hitting Michael Myers Mm -hmm. to, like, the drive. I think, like, that was so much of the movie explained in such a short time. You know, it was all just thrown in, like, oh, the doctor's on his side. And, like, The doctor's like, he wants to feel what Michael feels. We can try to understand him. He let him out because he wants to see what he does in an open environment. He doesn't want to go to the zoo. He wants to be on safari, basically. I thought it was awesome when they stopped the car, you know, Michael comes to, and he just kills the doctor. Like yeah, just like stomps nothing. his head. You thought that would buy you loyalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things, like, did you really think Michael's not going to kill you just because you saved him one time? Get out of here. And Allison legs it because mm-hmm. she's a smart girl. Because the cops, the, the cops had this weird argument about food for like two minutes. There is some weird comedy in something. I understand that Danny McBride and David Gordon Green do comedy stuff. Usually this is kind of a departure to be serious. Mm-hmm. And some of the comedy works. Like, there's a sequence we didn't even talk about because of how separate it is from the main plot is the babysitter sequence. Yeah. The, the little kid who's absolutely hilarious in this movie. Yeah. So good. Very yeah. funny. Yes, yeah. it was so funny. Yeah. And that's one of those cool references, but also off-screen kills. The babysitter's boyfriend is just hooked onto the wall just with, by a knife through the neck. Awesome. Oh. It was that was a really cool scene too, where they had some really good interactions. But that I feel it belongs in the Allison movie yeah. that I'm kind of crafting here because it has nothing to do with nothing as far as Laurie Sherwood and Michael. No, it has nothing to do with that. But it's it's just, just hey, remember the first one's about babysitting. Here's a babysitting murders. Yeah, to stay on brand. But that comedy I think works because that kid's really funny and there's a cool interaction. Yeah, what works less is the two cops were arguing about lunch. They're like. Yeah, I thought that well, was weird. You like you only eat PB and J. Well, I got you this cool PB and J on like not brioche, but it was some weird Vietnamese bread. Yeah, and he's like, I made a brownie. He goes, that's what five year olds would do. Yeah, and I thought it was like very forced. Yeah, like, like, it was still kind of funny, but it was still like we're in the middle of a very intense sequence, and this is not doing what you want it to do. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, if, is that Hawkins's car? Yeah, huh. that was kind of walk right up to it. And they were like, "Come on, you burn out!" Like, yeah. you know. And so the cops get killed, and Michael Myers, if from the first movie, he's an expert at staging his deaths. He's nothing if not an artist as his murdering because he doesn't just kill people. The, the scene where he drives the police car to Laurie's house. And before the husband, Judy Greer's husband, could come outside to check, he sets up one of the cops in the front seat with his buddy as a homemade jack-o'-lantern in his lap, runs to the side so the husband can see his work and then come from behind and kill him. I'm like, Michael Myers, he's committed to the craft, man. Yeah, he is. And And I will say the husband's character, he's also a little bit funny, but also he's very weird. I'm actually shocked that he wasn't killed maybe earlier. What's weird too is in the scene where he's making fun of Allison's boyfriend's family saying like oh if you marry him you'll end up just cleaning guns and having kids oh and yeah yeah guns. it's especially ironic because you know what your wife did growing up right <laughs> yeah yeah they're pretty much cleaning guns yeah and, yeah because by this point Lori and Karen, Karen are in the stronghold and they've got their guns they've got they're in the panic room under the uh center console the island in the kitchen I will say this too after the husband's killed I thought that was cool when she bolts the door and then she, he grabs her through and she like shoots him to get her to let go yeah. and then Karen comes up is like where's um like where's Ray where's Ray and all she says is Michael's here she backs him up and is like go down yeah. well backs her up and is like go downstairs and that leads to a really great sequence I think the whole sequence in the third act where Laurie and Michael are facing off one on one what I think is interesting about this Michael is similar to the first one where now the sister thing is not a thing I feel like in this movie had Michael not literally been brought to Laurie's doorstep he never would have come to her doorstep at all no he would he wouldn't have gone after Lori at all. Mm-hmm. But the fact in this one, he's literally dropped it. He's like, oh, more people to kill. And then he sees Lori and he does have a moment of kind of like, you. And then he goes on the pursuit. So Lori's going through the house with her pump action shotgun. And she's locking down all the doors after she goes and checks the room. I love that scene because it's just showing how ready she is for this moment, how prepared she is. She's like, yeah, okay. and then she goes into each room and like, yeah. then she hits the gate and yeah. it comes down. She's like, okay, room. not in this room. You can't hide in this room now. I'm coming for you. Yeah. Not in this. She's like, 
limiting the space that they could possibly have yeah. for hiding and escaping. So I thought it was pretty cool, yeah. too. Before you go forward, can I just point out also the fact that Judy Greer was very Christmas strong? Yes, yeah. we're talking about that. It was She's so not like her mother and so over Halloween as a whole. She's at a Christmas party. Yeah, from where are you skipping right to yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> that is fun. And it leads to that sequence in the upstairs bedroom where she's like, okay, let's check in the closet or in the behind the, what are those called? Shutters? Yes. Yeah. She's like, oh, that happened to me last time. Let's check that. Opens it up and it's just the husband stage, just like how someone else was. I think it was PJ Soul's character in the first one. I forget her name. Well, I remember hers. Totally. Totally. But I love to where Michael's hiding behind like the mannequins because she has mannequins set up everywhere that she's just like as shooting props in her I house. thought I thought the cool part too was when she's originally in there and she's following the blood mm-hmm. to the closet. And then she opens the closet, and it's the, the dead yeah. husband. But then they have another sequence where it's it's more of a knife fight between the two, and Michael ends up stabbing Lori in the gut and tossing her out of a second floor window. Which, like I said, there's a lot of allusion, there's a lot of connections where Lori does stuff in this movie that Michael did in the first one, and the best by a landslide <sighs> is when Michael looks out and sees her, and then Allison's like finally has reached the house. She's entering the door, and she's like, you know, mom, grandma, and then Michael looks away and looks back over the balcony. And Lori's gone, and that music you hits, I was like, oh, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Put a Michael Myers on Michael Myers. Yeah. And now Judy Greer goes into full protection mother mode. Oh, no, my daughter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That scene. So another one of the best scenes, how great it was. Allison gets down to the panic room, but Michael is trying to put two and two together, and he goes, people are shooting me from down here, and I can hear moving from here. It must be this island that's in my way. And protecting the table. Yeah. Every yeah. chair. Every, Breaks yeah. the, the island, which is, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Your boy's built, man. Your boy's built like a brick house. 40 years of workout and chill, bro. Apparently. Just rips open the island, and then there's nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's absolutely nothing. You don't see him pop up, and then Judy Greer's character, Karen, just goes, Mom, help me. I can't do it. I can't I can't do it. I can't be like you. And then Michael shows, pops on the corner, and she just goes, gotcha. And shoots yeah. him in the throat. I was, oh my That God. was awesome. That was cool. Because oh, I, I was so into it. For her to just, like. She just turned it on in one instant. Yeah. What's really fun is they were talking about test audiences now. That changed one of the scenes earlier. It also changed this scene slightly because the line right after that, Lori is like, Happy Halloween, Michael, and stabs her from behind. They moved that line a couple seconds back because people were cheering so loudly over the gotcha scene that they didn't even hear Lori's line. Oh. So that's a positive thing to have for the, from the test reaction where they were like, people were so into that they completely missed Lori's line. And now Lori stabs, Michael knocks him into the, the panic room, and then so they're all escaping, and Allison finally gets to get her shot to, you know, take down Michael, stabs him with the knife to save her mom. And then we find the, the big old plot twist that Lori has pulled on Michael and all of us, where the house was not meant to withstand Michael, it was meant to trap Michael, and the panic yep. room is actually a cage. They pull some lever, boom, bars show up, and it turns out the whole thing is rigged to blow, to mean to uh, to burn down with Michael in the basement. And it was just, that's such a cool scene. It really was. Where they're activating the f- all the lighters. Yeah, and then the fire starts around him, and the, he's just... The bed catches on fire, the model home, the second floor catches on fire. I, I gotta say, from a scary movie perspective, and just seeing a lot of them, and I know you've seen way more than I have, but just the fact that he was just standing there. Staring, just looking. No, no panic, no nothing. It just adds to like how actually creepy he is. Mm-hmm. Now scary, terrifying he is. Yeah, and they escape, and the only thing you get out of Michael the rest of the movie is over the credits. There's some breathing of his. Now I have one question about the final scene. Yep. So when they're in the back of the truck and they're huddled up, and they zoom in on the knife in Allison's hand, the one that she stabs Michael with. Is there some sort of symbolism there, or some sort of hint at? something that's going to happen. I mean, I just thought it was weird that they zoomed in on that and ended it. It's a central part of the franchise because the end of Michael and the Child is him holding the knife. The knife like that, yeah. And also at the end of four, I know that's Jamie, Jamie Lloyd's character yes. for the knife. Holding the knife like that. acts pretty much the same yeah. as I wondered, Yeah, I wondered if so other movies had ended that. Like was that. A, yeah, that was another yeah. part of it. I think they did that to leave open the franchise continuing. Now, we don't know where that's going to be. Yeah. Is it going to be with Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode? Apparently, 
According to articles I've read on PlayDisgusting.com and, and the like, if David Gordon Greer comes, Green comes back to direct another one, Jamie Lee Curtis says she's down. But here's my thing. So the another thing that test audiences struck down, apparently, was the original ending, which I like this ending a lot. There's so much in the scene that I love that I wouldn't want to get rid of. However, this ending, I think, is great if there's no sequel. If there is a sequel, I prefer the other ending. Because the original ending was Michael and Lori fighting, I think, amongst the mannequin dummies that she's been shooting at the whole time. Like, locked in battle. Yeah, and cool. Michael stabs Lori like a final kill shot. She's, he's finally beaten Lori. And then from behind, Allison comes with a knife and stabs Michael for the kill shot on him. If there's a sequel, I prefer that scene because it sends off Lori's character as someone who fought to the bitter end and her pre- preparedness saved her family and gave them the tools they needed to defeat Michael themselves while passing the torch on to Allison to be the new final girl of the franchise. Yeah, to continue the franchise. I yeah. feel like if there's going to be sequels, that ending is so much better because it says, okay, Lori's character, she's done what she needed to do. She's, you know, not coming back again. But at least we have Allison who has all the tools required to lead new movies going forward. Well, we don't know that because you were talking about the dynamics earlier mm-hmm. and Allison doesn't have the access that Julie Greer had. She, Wait, she doesn't, doesn't She doesn't have the training, so we don't know if she actually does. We have, She has a few moments. Yeah, but I think she has, I think this movie shows that she thinks quickly enough on her feet and she's more like Laurie in the first one than Laurie in this one, where Laurie is smart, resourceful, and when push comes to shove, she will be able to do what's right, what's necessary in that moment. So I feel like she could, in the next movie, be have a harder edge to her, where she's like, okay, Michael's mm-hmm. coming at me, let me roll my sleeves and get down to I'm business. I'm with you on that, yeah. Chris. I prefer that ending. This left me with more questions, because I felt like this Halloween should have accomplished something. And I don't feel like it did, because you don't know if Michael's actually dead. I've seen him escape a burning building before. We heard the breathing. Gloria's still alive, but Allison's got the knife. So I feel like your two-movie theory for this ending makes a lot of sense because you didn't really close mm-hmm. anything. Going back on what you guys said about Lori Strode, like why in this ending she obviously survives, are they bringing back to what we were arguing? I mean, is there going to be something explained about that relationship to Michael? Yeah. You know, is that why they're keeping her alive? Like I said, I've had this two-movie theory going on for this whole podcast. Mm-hmm. The first movie in that is the Lori and Karen story with Allison as a supporting character who's trying to have her grandmother be a bigger part in her life. And that could end with that scene that I was talking about with Lori and Michael and Allison fighting to the end. Yeah. And then the second movie in that would have the doctor show up trying to understand it, Mm -hmm. have the babysitter stuff there, have Allison living her own life and doing her own thing, having to come to terms with fighting Michael. I feel like that makes sense. But this ending, if it's going to be the last Halloween, I like the end because it gives Lori a good send off while giving Michael very little room to have conceivably escaped. And like I was mentioning earlier with the doctor where he's like, I feel like they only live because the other is alive. After Michael gets trapped and they start the fire, you see Lori's kind of collapsed into Karen. It's like, yeah, like a weight has just dropped off of her. Enough so where she might succumb to her stab wounds. If it had ended with her still dying because of the stab wounds, I think that would have been stronger too. But having Lori alive to see the end and potentially come back in a sequel... I think hurts the effects of this ending. Yeah. Like, I, I hate to say I would want to see Laurie Strode's character die. Because I love Laurie Strode. She's the babysitter I never had. I feel like if there's going to be a sequel, it makes more sense to say the sequel is Michael coming after Allison and Allison's, you know, ready to throw down this time. And Laurie is kind of not there. As opposed to, if Laurie comes back, I don't know what's left for her character to accomplish. What yeah. will she do with a sequel? I don't know. So mm-hmm. if there's going to be a sequel, I'm kind of lukewarm on the end. But as it is right now, with no sequel fully announced, I'm really into it. Because there's so many, the gotcha line, the Laurie family teaming up to kill Michael once and for mm-hmm. all. I'm all into it. But if it's the end. I think it, honestly thinking about it and hearing your guys' like point of view from it, I think it should be. It wraps up the whole series. You know, there are still things that are, have to be answered. But maybe there's just some sort of mystery that yeah. has to be left. 
You know what I mean? And um, not to mention, Halloween 2 had a similar ending with Michael be- literally being blown up and mm. dying in a fire. And that was a great send-off if they had just stuck with Halloween 2. But then they brought him back in 4, 5, and 6 and beyond, which... Makes it hard to believe those, that he's not, that he's dead. Yeah. It's one of those things where that was a perfect send-off to the movie and the franchise, just like this is. Mm-hmm. But it just like how Halloween 2 was undercut by 4, 5, and 6, this ending will be undercut by Halloween 2 and 3 and 4 if they come out. I don't know. I just feel, I find it hard to believe, especially the way that the Hollywood works now with like... Oh, it's getting a sequel. It's getting a sequel. Yeah, they Absolutely. just can't let it... And I don't want to sound ungrateful because I am grateful this movie is good and made money because you know what that means? More studio horror movies. And probably the return of slashers. LeBron James is apparently trying to get a Friday the Thirteenth movie off the ground. Really? He's trying to produce it. There's nothing that man can't do. Well, the thing is, Friday Except the Thirteenth Th- League is the three wins. The Friday the Thirteenth franchise is currently <laughs> mired in legal troubles. However, LeBron James's money could answer those problems. So Friday the Thirteenth could come back if this made all, all that money. There's new Chucky movies coming out. I guarantee you, people at New Line are looking at this and saying, "Hey, can we get a new Freddy movie off the ground?" Robert Englund said he, he might be down for one more Nightmare on Elm Street movie too. Horror movies are so, so reliable when it comes to... Yeah. Because this is one of the biggest budget horror movies in a long... I mean, not big budget, but it's a lot bigger budget than a lot of contemporary horror movies. It was like 10 to $15 million budget. There's a lot of slasher movies probably going to be coming out soon as a result of Halloween. And I'm all for that. I'm all about that. Trust me, as much as as much crap as I'm talking, if they say, come in 2020, Halloween 2, starring Allison, I'll be there opening day. Don't get me wrong. Exactly. We'll be doing this podcast. I'll be there. Yeah. I'm just saying that if you're worried about a franchise, you need to pass the torch to the new character who's going to lead us forward. You can't Because Jamie Lee Curtis might come back for another one. She's not coming back for another four. Allison yeah. might. Yeah, exactly. Which she probably should do another four to begin with. But you know what I mean. All in all, I really enjoyed it. I feel like it was a solid Halloween movie. I would put it second amongst the franchise, which hurts me to say as much as I love Halloween 2 and H2O. I do think this is a slight cut above those two and way above a lot of the other sequels. But overall, guys, what did you think of it, Cage? Okay. Um, since I don't really remember the original that well, I remember seeing it and, you know, it having an effect on me. I'm still going to put that one in the franchise. I think that's still the best, but this movie I think was very good. And going in as just someone who wanted to be amused by, or entertained I should say, by a horror movie and have some scares and just be entertained by a good movie, I give it a 9 out of 10. What about you, Spoiler? I'm just a little picky, but yeah, overall it was a good movie. I think... I think they slated after the first two. Mm-hmm. I think just because the second one was a continuation mm-hmm. and you had a lot of the basic principles, the simplicity of it. And maybe I'm starting from nostalgia with Halloween. But, but no, I'm, I'm with you, Chris. I would rank it pretty much behind the first one. Yeah, I, I do like two as well because that is such a, like I said, it's a simple movie. It's right after the first one. There's not enough sequels to take place right after the first one. I think that's a fun area of filmmaking. So I think you got what you wanted out of this movie. If you're somebody mm-hmm. who wanted a continuation without all the foolishness, without mm-hmm. all the weird connections that didn't need to be there, I think you got what you wanted because you can watch the first two movies and you can segue right into this movie yep. in 2018. And I think ultimately that's what John Carpenter and yep. Jamie Lee Curtis wanted. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it's a good movie. If you haven't seen it yet, guys, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? Go watch it. It's great. And, you know, I'll probably be paid it up on Blu-ray. I don't, I don't have the entire collection, but I have the ones I like on Halloween. And this will definitely be added to my collection as soon as it is on Blu-ray. With that being said, hopefully I can say this. Happy Halloween, guys. Hope you guys have a lovely and safe Halloween. And as always, stay scary, but keep it professional.